take thou authority to preach the gospel. Indeed, I look upon all the world as my parish. We welcome you to Field Preachers Podcast. And today I'm Paul Nixon visiting with a friend from Arkansas. I am here with Melanie Tubbs. Greetings, Melanie. Greetings, Paul. And we look forward to conversation with you today. Um, you are a pastor in the Arkansas Conference of the United Methodist Church. What community are you appointed to? I have been in uh, Augusta, Arkansas, which is in the Northeast District, uh, for four years. And so I will be July 1st. I have been reappointed to this same geographic area, and I will continue starting my fifth year in July. Now, when you say Northeast District, how nor- are you in the, the Mississippi Delta Plain? We are definitely a Delta community. Um, okay. We are on the White River, which comes uh-huh. off of Mississippi. And uh, in fact, the, the church that I serve in Augusta, I serve a number of churches, but I live near the one in Augusta. The church that I serve in Augusta is uh, a block and a half from the White River. I live oh, a wonderful. block and a half from the White River. Yeah. Well, well, on a uh, on a summer evening walk with the dog, that would be kind of an, a a fun place to to walk toward. It's it's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. The mosquitoes are the size <laughs> of birds, but <laughs> but other than that, uh, it is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I read a book by John Grisham years ago called A Painted House um, that was about life in that part of the world. Um, fascinating book and really helped me to kind of understand the the culture. Um, yeah, that. Uh, that that book, if I'm not mistaken, was set on the southern part of the eastern border of Arkansas, and okay. I'm on the northern part of the. Well, it's eastern for, you're further up. You're further upstream. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a little upstream. So, Melanie, you are a um, progressive pastor in a rather conservative part of the United States, and you have found a way to speak to progressive folks, even as you are appointed in an area where there aren't quite so many of those folk as there might be in some other areas, but um, tell us how you got into this ministry that extends from your appointment that is called roughly a Southern pastor. What is that? (laughs) Well, uh, it's actually kind of a cool story and I'll give you the shortest version that I can, but back in 2015, um, I was serving as a licensed local pastor and attending seminary. And a friend of mine from high school, so way, way in the way back that I hadn't spoken to in years, um, had started an online magazine, a news magazine. And uh, it was um, very, very left, as, as far left as you can go. And she and I had reconnected on Facebook and, and we had talked just a couple of times on Facebook and, and in an exchange with her, it was, uh, the idea was floated that I would, um, write an editorial for this online ultra liberal news magazine, um, that would be from a Christian left perspective. And so, um, she, uh, I didn't, you know, have any kind of name or anything like that. Um, she just said, uh, I'm, you know, very liberal, but I, I'm also still very much a Christian. And, and I feel like that's an empty spot. And, and I'd love for you to write for us. And so it started out, you know, pretty um, tame. 
um, I, I basically would uh, shorten sermons that I had given and things like that and, and write some cute little things here and there about, you know, love your neighbor or whatever. And a few months in, um, in my area, which is incredibly conservative, there was um, a lot of um, discord over the Marriage Rights uh, Act and the discussion that was going on. And another pastor in a neighboring community had written a letter to the editor of the local paper, print newspaper, um, and it was asking all the area pastors to sign it. And I said, I, I'm sorry, but this is not what I believe. It was calling out the Marriage Rights Act and saying it was going against God. And, you know, it was, you know, all of the, the arguments that you normally get about why um, same-sex marriage is not okay with the church. And, and so I said, no, I'm sorry, this doesn't, um, this doesn't represent what I believe and I can't sign that. And I even spoke to some leadership in our, in our church and said, I think they're going to do this. And this bothers me a lot. And, and lo and behold, it got published. It got published in the local newspaper and several of the pastors who signed it had United Methodist after their name, you know, um, and, and as I sat and realized there was, a, there was one, this, I don't know if it was a magical moment or a sacred moment, or I don't know what it was, but there was a moment as I sat at home and I was praying and I was reading the Bible and, and I just got so angry because I knew that if I had written out my beliefs and signed them as a United Methodist pastor and put that in the local newspaper, that I would have gotten in trouble for it. But they could post these incredibly hurtful things in the name of the church and nobody would say anything because it was conservative and that was acceptable. And I realized that I had a place where I could write what I thought, uh, you know, online, online uh, posting is a blessing and also a little dangerous. And so I sat down and just sort of poured out all of that anger that I felt um, and everything from worshiping the Confederate flag to homosexuality to, I mean, you name it, I just sort of poured it all into this post. And at the time I wasn't editing, I wasn't responsible for editing my own things on that news magazine. And so when I, I hit send, you know, without much thought and, and when they posted it online, they gave it the title pissed off Southern pastor tells it like it is. <laughs> and it went wild within minutes it was getting 10 20 30,000 hits like every minute it That's was crazy yeah it was crazy um and people were because my name you know was attached it wasn't hard to figure out who I was they were searching for me on Facebook and requesting to be my friends on my personal Facebook page and uh, I mean it was just nuts and um the short version of that story is that I got in a little trouble. <laughs> um, I got a little talking to uh, more than once. And, um, but, but here's the, that's a whole nother area of that story. The, the part that I want you to know is that I discovered an entire community of people who needed a pastor to be pissed off on their account. 
they needed someone in a position of pastoral authority to speak their anger and to speak their frustration. And they reached out to me. And so as, as I dealt with the administrative part of it, which, you know, was, oh my gosh, Melanie, you know, that was awfully harsh. And, you know, you pastors should not be so angry and, you know, all those kinds of things, which I had to learn and grow through. I also began to communicate with these people who would contact me and say, oh my gosh, I've been afraid to come out or I came out and my family disowned me or I can't find a church that I can attend where I live because none of them will accept me. And so this, my friend who owned the online magazine said, we're going to call you a pissed off Southern pastor. And I said, here's the deal. How about we just call me a Southern pastor and I not be, <laughs> and, I, and I not be pissed off for the rest of my life. And so she said, well, that works for me. So she named my editorial page, a Southern pastor. She encouraged me to start a Southern pastor Facebook page that would just be a place where people could find me and, and not sort of overwhelm my, uh, my personal page. And I continued to write for them until um, that page uh, slowed down and, and doesn't publish a lot anymore. And, and what happened was in that Facebook page that I created as Southern Pastor, um, I, people began to inbox me. And I began to pray with people and, and I began to answer people's questions and talk to them. I began to help them find churches that were reconciling and would be accepting and loving of them. And, and for, for a long time, I kept that completely separate from my appointment. Um, now, when you say that you, um, you, that, that they would contact you and you inbox them and you would pray with them. What exactly does that mean? Did you had an actual conversation on the phone or was it online? What, what is that? In 98% of the, in the, of the connections that I've made, it has been entirely through Facebook. Okay. Um, it has, my Facebook messenger became something I, you know, that Ah. I had to put on my cell phone and, and, um, I would carry on lengthy uh, conversations with people. There were a couple of times that somebody who was in real distress asked for my phone number. Um, and, and we had a, a face-to-face. I even had one person come visit me from the state of Washington and wow. attend my church in person. Um, but for the most part, um, it has been entirely through the page and through Facebook Messenger. So I didn't mean to interrupt your as, no, no. as you were flowing along there, but I just wanted to to understand this is the interaction has been largely by Facebook Messenger at least at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and, and and I kept it um, separate, and so I didn't tell the people that I was appointed to that a Southern pastor was me, uh, and it was funny because occasionally I would see some of my congregation, my local congregation, share something from a Southern pastor, and they had no idea that it was me, that it was their pastor. Um, and, and I had kept it separate on purpose. COVID is what changed that. COVID is when um, the two became uh, much more combined. And so as we came into COVID, um, everybody was scrambling to go online 
you were already there. I was, yes. And what happened was, is, is as we um, went fully online, so my church is shut down March the 12th, and we did not reopen until April the 6th of this year. So we were shut down for 13 months and were completely virtual. And what happened was I, of course, I, I never shared photos or videos or anything from my local congregations onto the Southern Pastor page because I felt like for privacy reasons um, that, you know, my, my, con- my local congregation had not signed on to be a part right. of this online this online community. And so I didn't share. And it was really awesome because I don't know, we were about two months in to COVID and, and we were really kind of starting to find our flow and how to do our worship together. And uh, one of my, my local congregants called me one day and she said, do you realize that I've been looking around on Facebook and all of these different churches who are posting their, their Sunday service online and especially the churches of our size and they get you know 40 50 views uh, every week they get 40 or 50 views a week we're getting seven or eight (laughs) hundred one week one week we had a thousand and she said i want to know why you are not sharing our worship video onto the southern pastor page and i said what (laughs) because i did not we had not had a single discussion in the three years that i've been here that she followed a southern pastor or that she knew that i was a southern pastor i had no idea and so when she called me that day and said we're already getting seven or eight hundred views because they're coming to us to find you so just imagine if you shared it to your page how far our reach would be why are you not sharing it? And I said, well, I've always kept that separate. And she said, well, stop that. (laughs) (laughs) And so at that point, I I just sort of, I thought, okay, you know, this is where we are. Online ministry is what we have now. And I've been doing online ministry since 2015. I, I need to, it's time to, to bring those things together. And so I began to share Uh, notices about our Bible studies that we would be doing. I began to share our Sunday worship. Uh, I began to share opportunities for um, kids to join in to online things. And, And we began to include people from all over the United States. So our little church in Augusta, Arkansas, that had ran 20 or 30 people a week in, in worship before COVID was reaching, you know, 800 to 1800 people a week uh, in worship. And we were having people join us in our Bible study classes from Pennsylvania and Colorado and Georgia. Um, And we were sending out youth packets, you know, when we did back to school youth packets to all over the United States. Um, uh, just they were completely overwhelmed. This little church that that had been afraid that their numbers were dwindling so much they wouldn't be able to stay open suddenly had a revival. So this has become a church growth story, and that wasn't at all where we began in terms of motivation. This was a, the motivation was to be present to people that were feeling. Um, excluded and were grieving and frustrated and yada, yada. So out of a ministry that really starts with the needs of people, you created a platform of a lot of people. 
And, and one of the things that I've tried in my own work to teach pastors is that it's out of relationships that you, you gather a pool of people who might be interested in coming and checking out what else is going on. But if you don't have any friends out there, it's like, who's really ever going to wander in these doors or, you know, either online or otherwise? Well, you found some friends out there. Right, exactly. And they really are. Um, There are, it was really very moving because I haven't even had time to go through it all yet. But uh, last week, um, not only was it my birthday, but I was ordained last Wednesday as an elder, an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church. And as I began to get these notifications on Facebook, and a lot of them now have my email address and, you know, we communicate through email and everything. Um, There were a lot of people who were congratulating me and saying that they were happy for me who lived all over the United States. Um, And um, they were invested in this process that I had been going through. And, and I know that they see me as their pastor and they, they watched their pastor be ordained. And it was incredibly overwhelming to know um, that, that this community of love and acceptance and, um, and safety um, had come together to the point of getting me to my ordination. Well, you know, sometimes when we're out doing ministry, um, churches get born like sort of unplanned babies. It's like, oh, we've got a new child. This right. sort of became a whole new segment of your ministry, of your church, that we didn't see coming like this, okay? No. So um, it's been surprising, but what have some of the surprises been for you on this journey um, with, with all of these people from everywhere? Well, there were a couple of moments that really stand out that were sort of those pivotal moments when I realized that something was happening, you know, beyond what I thought. Um, I, you know, I originally thought that I was going to share some sermons and, you know, maybe tell a few people about Jesus or whatever. Um, One, uh, one sticks out to me. I I noticed that I, I had a notification from Messenger and I had set my phone up. Uh, with my Facebook Messenger so that messages to that page, I get alerted very quickly because it did become, you know, a space of communication. And um, one that I'll never forget is there was a uh, uh, LGBTQ couple in another state, and they sent me a message on Facebook Messenger and said, we've been, we've been following you, and we've been reading, you know, the stuff that you share, and we decided that we want to own a Bible, so we're here at Books A Million or wherever, whatever bookstore they were at. And we didn't realize how many Bibles there were to choose from. And if you see this, if you, you know, see this while we're here, can you help us pick out a Bible? <laughs> and so through Facebook Messenger, you know, I sent them descriptions about what you know, which Bibles were more academic and which Bibles serve this purpose. And after about 45 minutes, we finally picked them a Bible and, and they went and checked out. In fact, I think they bought a couple. Um, But it was, that was one of those real pivotal moments in the beginning of this ministry, early on in this ministry, when I thought there, there is a need that is not being met. There is a, there are people with very simple questions about religion and Christianity and God who don't feel safe. They don't have a safe place to ask those questions. And this is going to be an important part of that. Another really important moment was uh, I got a, a message and 
somebody said, I, I don't know what to do anymore. And I won't, I won't reveal a lot more of that conversation, but it became very obvious that they were suicidal. Mm. And um, I called them and, uh, you know, we exchanged phone numbers. And that was one of those very few instances where we talked on the phone. And I, I talked to them on the phone until the, until the EMTs got there. And, and they actually, you know, went into some, to some medical care for a while. Um, and, and again, that was a moment when I realized if they had had a local pastor, you know, they could have, they could have gone to the church or they could have called the local pastor, but they didn't have that place where they felt safe. And, and believe it or not, there was a Facebook page where they felt safe. And I, I began to really understand the power and the reach and the scope of what a simple Facebook page could do. So that gets into the whole question. That's a question a lot of us are asking now. I mean, there's there's all these crazy stories of the church in Pennsylvania that has a, a Catholic family from Ireland that attends every week now. I mean, it's all, you know, it's, right. we've gone global, okay? How do you pastor people when you, it's not just they can't get in a room with you, but, they, but they're not getting in a room with others. Um, how do you help them to discover um, embodied community? Right. Um, one of the things that I've gotten really good at is directing people to the Reconciling Ministries uh, page. Okay. And uh, lots and lots of people, that's a question I answer weekly. For a while, I answered it daily. I think it's become better known now. And so now I'm down to more weekly. But people, where can I find a Methodist pastor? You know, people who've grown up Methodist, where can I find a Methodist pastor? that or a Methodist church that will be um, accepting of me. And, and, you know, I didn't start a Southern pastor just to be an LGBTQ uh, safe place. Um, there are lots of other things that, that, you know, we stand for in that community. Um, pov- systemic poverty, systemic racism, you know, there are a lot of things that we talk about, but I, really I sort of accidentally became an advocate and a, a, a voice for the LGBTQ community. And so I, I helped them find local churches a lot of times by helping them navigate reconciling ministries or uh, as my own um, friendships have grown within the church. I go into seminary at ILIF a school of theology in Denver, Colorado in a hybrid program. So the, the people that I was in seminary with were all over the United States, um, allowed me to have contacts all over the United States. And so I began to use those and, and the reconciling ministries. And I've, I've helped quite a few people, uh, find those, those connections. So that's an interesting little side point. Maybe it's not a side point is that your own theological education was in an online space that was quite expansive in terms of people from everywhere. So that was already a part of your experience flowing into this experience. Actually, my on my a Southern pastor experience and my online seminary experience kind of kind of started together. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I sort of became involved in both of those around the same time. And um, the we had to fly out to Denver four times a year for what they called gathering days. And so, you know, once every quarter we were on the quarter system, we would get together in person and be, as you said, in an embodied space together. And the rest of the time we were online together every day. And so it became quite normal for me to have four or five uh, 
tabs open on my computer where I would be doing seminary and doing ministry, you know, all at the same time sitting behind a, a computer. Unbelievable. This is a really new world. It is. Yeah. And I, I think it's one that that we have to embrace. I, I think it's incredibly important that we have to embrace it. And the the really awesome thing is you said this, this becomes a, a story of church growth. I have to tell you that this little church that I pastor here in Augusta, and as I said, I pastor more than one, but, but Augusta has been the one that has really embraced the idea of being an online or a hybrid community. We came back from COVID um, after years of not having any youth in our church, except maybe the, the random grandchild that attended every now and then with their grandparents, we came back to COVID to 21 children in attendance on the first day that we came back. We had to form three new children's classes to accommodate them for Sunday school. And we are running double and are approaching triple our attendance numbers pre-COVID. Uh, and the, the people in this little church will tell you that, that we came back from COVID to a massive revival. So it sounds like your local church is seeing some of the energy from this enormous ministry that's it's stretching out all over the place. They're seeing some of the energy from that showing up in the spaces they recognize and where they inhabit. Um, how did 21 children and their families find you through COVID and how is that related to this um, sort of global thing that the Holy Spirit is doing? Well, you know, I, I often tell people who ask me, um, you know, how in the world did that happen? And I say, I'm not really sure, <laughs> but I just don't want to miss. That's what Peter said after Pentecost. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it was that same answer. I don't, I don't really know, but let's just go with it, you know? And so one of the things that happened is I think that there were a lot of churches that fought having to be online. It, it wasn't comfortable. It was hard. Uh, in many cases, especially in small rural areas in Arkansas, they didn't even have the internet. They didn't have, you know, they had a pastor who, who barely checked their email, much less could, you know, put something together. Whereas, as you said earlier, I'd already been doing online ministry for a long time. So it wasn't overly new for me. I think one of the things that helped us is we decided early on that when we put together our Sunday worship, we were not just going to stick a camera at the back of the church and have me and maybe two other people up there and pretend like it was normal. We just weren't going to do that. So what we decided to do is that we would get, and this was huge because, you know, my average age of people is about 72. And so we had people figure out how to record video on their phones and I would, on Monday, I would send out the assignments and say, this is the scripture I want you to read. I want you to do a prayer. I want you to, you know, whatever. Our choir would get together masked and record two or three songs at a time so that I would have those. And then by Wednesday or Thursday, everybody would send me in their little pieces as blurred and as you know with the bloopers intact you know whatever and I would put all those together with my parts and and 
and render a video that then became our worship service. And so when you, when you logged on at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, you saw the faces of the people that you knew in our congregation right in front of you, speaking to the camera, not speaking to an empty sanctuary. And we had numerous people tell us that that's why they, they joined us in worship because, you know, it was real. It was mm. authentic. Um, it wasn't like we were trying to fake, you know, that everything was okay. And as, as it always was that we just kind of embraced it and did something new. Well, after we began to share these things on the Southern pastor page and, and kind of acknowledge that, you know, these people were joining us in, in zoom Bible studies and, you know, that kind of thing, they began to know them. I decided that it would be pretty awesome for my local congregation to see some of those folks. So I went on the Southern pastor page and like I did every week with my local folks, I said, Hey, would anybody like to read a scripture for me this week? Would anybody like to do the apostles creed or, you know, whatever. And so I put together a worship one Sunday that had people involved in that worship from Colorado, Minnesota, Virginia, New Jersey, Georgia, and there's one other one. I can't remember the other one. Uh, but anyway, so when you went on to the Augusta United Methodist Facebook page, which has like 160 followers, and you pulled up their worship video that day, there were people who would say, hey, this is Mark from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I'm here to give you your call to worship today. And, you know, then somebody else would somebody else. And my people were just floored, just floored. And, and they began to invite their family members from all over to be a part of our worship service. And, and instead of the way I like to look at it is we went from people watching worship on Sunday morning, which I hear a lot of people complain about, you know, we, they were just watching worship to participating in every way possible in online worship. And I think that that was the difference. You know, you were um, ordained as a um, elder last week, correct? I was, yes. Okay, and there's some questions in there that you had yes. to answer. And one of those questions had to do with going house to house, I think. Do <laughs> yeah. they still ask that one? I think they do. Yeah. And um, everybody sort of wonders, well, what do I do with that? Um, right. Have you not discovered a way that you're getting into a lot of houses? I'm getting into a lot of houses. Yeah. You're getting and, to as many houses as are like are in Augusta. I mean, but, right? but, you, but you're all over the place. Right. In fact, the population of Augusta is just over 2000 and the, the Facebook page of Southern pastor has over 18,000 followers. And so we've, we've expanded beyond Augusta. This is like far. Adam Hamilton now. I mean, you're, you're all over the place out there. <laughs> no, no, um, no, 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 no pressure <laughs> like that. No, 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 good, goodness. No. Uh, but, you know, I will tell you, so I'll out myself about something. I'm a okay. bit of an, I'm a bit of an introvert. Okay. And um, I, and I try to tell people who don't understand an introvert is not shy. I can be in a big room of people and stand in front of them and preach. And in, in my previous life, I was a teacher. I taught public school for 12 years. I've taught college classes for 11 years. Um, and, and so everything that God has called me to do in my life has been to put me in front of a room. I always say God has a sense of humor. Um, the, the fact is I'm okay with doing that, but as an introvert, it takes everything you've got to do that. Mm -hmm. Like you have to, you have to get somewhere by yourself and recharge your batteries to be able to do that again. 
And so when we talk about preachers going house to house to house, um, that is, that is, that's one of the parts of being a pastor that's often very difficult for me, you know, going up to somebody's house I've never been in before. Maybe you've only spoken to them a couple of times and knocking on their door and going and sitting in their living room is just incredibly awkward for me. I'm very awkward when I do that. On the other hand, um, I, 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 I sort of, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, um, that ability to reach into all of those houses and all of those lives and speak to all of those people from this place of comfort, you know, the, within my own personality and within my own uh, gifts and graces has been a, an amazing blessing for me. Well, I'm beha- incredibly blessed by it. On behalf of all the introverts in Augusta, I want to say that probably they're not all excited about the pastor popping over and having to clean their living room either. So, you know, it's no. <laughs> and having to no. go through all that energy. Um, yeah. to, um, it's to, it's uh, really a different world that we live in. I've it discovered is. Most people really would rather you not knock on their door in today's world. Yeah. And it's it, the models that we have, the best practices that we had for certain seasons of the of, of our lives or the life of church, you, you can't always assume that a best practice then is a best practice now. And the right. way that it unfolds could be really, really different. I have been, I'm going to repent for a moment. I've been a part of training um, church planters that we tell them, don't just get, just don't sit behind your computer and get lost. You got to get out there. <laughs> well, that made sense in the 1990s when it wasn't so much social media. They were just designing a website. You know, there's only right. so far that that can go. But now when people are sitting behind computers, they're not sitting there designing websites. They're praying with people. Right. And right. we see more and more of that, that sometimes the most powerful inroads that are made to get the ball rolling in terms of community relationship and so forth, it's happening online. We have, uh, as all churches do, we have a prayer list regularly. Now there are people from other States who are on our prayer list in our bulletin that we are praying for someone who, you know, worships with us from afar because they're having surgery or whatever. Um, there are people here in Augusta, Arkansas now who know by name and count as a friend, uh, someone from Pennsylvania, because they joined us now for numerous Zoom Bible studies. We have we have a Zoom Bible study class that that I teach with a I co-teach with another friend on Wednesday nights. And it was decided that when we went back in person, that I as the pastor would continue to host a Zoom Bible study on Wednesday nights because there's so many people who join us from all over the, the globe to, to do that. I'm gonna guess that this is a good deal for the United Methodist Church in Augusta, in that you are more um, fulfilled as a pastor because you're able to kind of do the whole range of of what you're called to do, not all of which could happen right within Augusta. No. And I'm going to guess that because of that fulfillment and the energy, the positive um, vibe that you get and the feedback from that, that you're probably better at pastoring Augusta than you would be otherwise. I hope so. I pray so. I, I I have to tell you one of my, if it's okay, we have time. I have to tell you one of my favorite stories. Um, and, and there are some, 
you know, as we really begin to live into being a hybrid church, and that's really what we've become is a hybrid right. church. Um, and I think many of us are, are going to have to embrace that more and more, whether we like it or not. Um, I think that there are some issues that we're going to have to figure out how to deal with. One of those is, um, you know, we talk about being disciples and, and being, res- you know, taking on responsibility in the church. Well, so much of that has involved the church building for so many years. Well, why would somebody who joins you from Pennsylvania or Colorado be invested in this building that they are likely never going to to visit, you know, why would they want to uh, give donations or pay ties to, to support that? Um, another thing that we're going to have to look at is what about people who want to join your church from out of state? How does that look? You know, how, what about somebody who wants to be baptized uh, and, and become a member of your church? How do you do that when they're in another state? Well, we were having a conversation, several of my uh, Augusta members and I, and we were talking about some of these things as we were talking about, uh, this um, coming back into a, a live service and and trying to also keep our lot our online services going and and making sure that that stayed a part of our our ministry and and the question was brought up what if somebody wanted to join the church and what if they needed to be baptized before they join the church and I was saying well you know in the United Methodist Church we're connected and I think that's when our connectional system would come into play and you know we would probably have have to sister with a pastor that would be close to them and, you know, like maybe zoom the baptism, you know, them do it there and us watch it or something like that. One of the, one of the ladies from Augusta, but she butt into what I was saying. And she said, uh, that's not what we would do. If somebody who has been worshiping with us from another state wants to join our church and needs to be baptized, then we will take up a donation and we will fly them to Augusta, Arkansas, <laughs> where you can baptize them <laughs> And we can take the sacred uh, covenant with them as a community and give them a place to stay for a few days. And then we will fly them home. And I said, I don't know if that's how being a hybrid church is going to physically work in the real world. But I thought that really um, showed the heart of these people, this tiny little congregation in Augusta, Arkansas, who has seen the ability to to make disciples and to show the love of Jesus Christ to people all over the United States to the point that by golly they would pass the plate so that they could fly somebody out here who needed to be baptized. Yeah, you know, um Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and Galilee and so forth. Samaria. Samaria. Um the Great Commission is is becoming quite a, a tangible um experience for your congregation um yeah and the holy spirit seems like the holy spirit is in the midst of all of this i would so love to keep this conversation going um where might we go to find out more about a southern pastor i mean to is is, can you tell us how how do we get there from here um if you go to facebook and and three separate words so not all together three separate words a southern pastor if you put that in my page will be the page that comes up okay. um i also have a podcast on um soundcloud and so if you go to soundcloud and put in a southern pastor my my podcast list will come up um and i'm working on a website uh with a full blog and hopefully that'll be up and running soon but it's not Quite ready yet. 
my son is the technology guru and he's helping me set that up. But for now, go to Facebook and look for a Southern pastor, go to SoundCloud and look for a Southern pastor. You have, um, you're learning lots of stuff on the move, sort of like in the book of Acts and very much some of it, none of us have figured out some of those questions you were asking about, you know, how we, um, fully live out what it means to be church when we're spread out like this. Um, at the same time, um, we just thank God that you have been open to the spirit um, as opportunities have come to be in ministry with people who felt without a place. Thank you. It's been a ama- It's been an amazing uh, journey the last six years. I've made people who I, I know as friends now, um, uh, people who I know pray for me um, and support me. It's not just a one way thing. Um, and I honestly can't imagine being in ministry without it now. Awesome. Awesome. I, I, I want to sort of um, resuscitate Francis Asbury for an afternoon and just share this story <laughs> because I think he gets such a kick out of it. Um, it things that our, our ancestors could not imagine the possibilities that are given to us with this new sort of Roman road system called the Internet. Melanie, thank you for taking time with us today. Um, Thank you for sharing how we can um, follow you and learn with you um, as you are um, doing ministry all over the place. And we are thankful for a Southern pastor. And Thank you. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed speaking with you so much. It's been a blessing. Thanks. And this is Field Preachers Podcast. It is a ministry of the United Methodist Church. Field Preachers Podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.